us out there, <coughs> and ones that can't be here. Uh, the ones that can't be here, we know you're here in spirit, so just pray for us because we're going to continue to uh, move forward and go forward and trust God and no matter what the situation or the circumstances lie ahead of us. There's a lot of confusion out there, a lot of chaos, a lot of fear. But God is the same. Everything else around us is changing, but we know God is, and his word is not going to change, and we can always trust that, right? So this morning, uh, we're going to be in Revelation the church of Sardis. We've been going through the seven churches in the book of Revelation, and uh, I think Jesus has a message for every church. Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Father, we just ask that you'd open our ears and our hearts, that you would help us to receive the engrafted word not from man, but from your spirit, we pray. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. And it reads, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. I have found, for I have not found your works perfect before me. Remember therefore how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore I will, therefore if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before the angels. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The church of Sardis, ancient Sardis, the capital of Lydia, was the most important city. It lays about 50 miles east of Ephesus at the junction of five main roads. So it, so it was the center for trade. It was a military center also, for it was located on almost an inaccessible plateau. But Sardis was about 1,500 feet above sea level. Sardis was known for its manufacture of woolen garments. Primarily industry was harvesting wool. They would harvest wool and they would dye it and make garments from it. It was a city of great wealth and fame. And it was situated at the junction of seven important roads and, and 12 trade routes. 
There's no commendation to the believers at Sardis, nor did the Lord point out any doctrinal problems that required correction. Neither is there any mention of opposition or persecution in Sardis, but the church would have been better off maybe if they had suffered some persecution. For it had grown comfortable, this church had grown comfortable and content and was living on past reputations. A church can't live on a past reputation. There was reputation, their reputation was without reality, without form, without force. Like the city itself, the church at Sardis glorified, they glorified past splendor, but ignored the present decay. In fact, even what they had was about to die because believers had gone to sleep. The impression is that the assembly in Sardis was not aggressive in its witness to the city. There was no persecution because there was no invasion of the enemy's territory in this church. There was no threat at all to the enemy. This church was dying. Sardis was about 3,500 miles south of Thyatira. And being a city of wealth and importance in ancient times, destroyed by an earthquake in AD 17 and rebuilt by Tiberius Caesar. The connection between Sardis and money was a well-known connection in the ancient world because of how wealthy it was. It was a very wealthy city. It is, uh, it is also of interest to note that the first coinage ever to be minted in Asia Manor was minted in Sardis. Sardis was the place where modern money was born. By the time Jesus spoke these words to John, the ancient city of Sardis had, had seen its best days and was in decline, and this church was dying. He says in Revelation 3, 1, unto the angels of the church of Sardis, I write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. The angels of, uh, means the pastor. The seven spirits is the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the completeness of the Holy Spirits. No, there's not seven Holy Spirits. There's only one. This, you can read that in Isaiah 11 too. The seven stars is mentioned in Revelation 120. The seven stars are the angels, a messenger who represents the seven churches. It cannot, the angels cannot refer to the angels as pastors of a church because angels is never referred to as the pastor of a church. He says, uh, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. That's a bad introduction right there. Sardis was a church with, with works. This church had a lot of works but not life, not spiritual life. 
It once had a reputation of being alive, but it was dead. It was alive in name only, but dead spiritually. It didn't have any spiritual life at all in this church. The Holy Spirit gives, it is the Holy Spirit, it is the Holy Spirit that gives life to a church. And, and life is exactly what the people at Sardis needed. All the, all the church man-made programs and man-made effort and man-made efforts cannot bring life to a church. All the programs in the world cannot bring life to a church. Tradition of man cannot bring life to a church. A denomination cannot bring life to a church. Only the Spirit of God can bring life to a church. And when we depend upon programs rather than upon the Holy Spirit, the church begins to decline. So we have to trust in the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, and sometimes the reason why a church will die because sometimes it is the pastor's fault because he is unwilling to change. The Holy Spirit will make many changes in a church. And there will be many changes going forward. But some people are really stuck in their ways and unwilling to change. But it is the Holy Spirit that builds the church so God can get the glory. The Bible says in Psalm 127, verse 1, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. He says, except the Lord builds a house, we labor in vain. I can't build a church, and you can't build a church. Only the Holy Spirit and the power of God can build that church. The church was born when the Spirit of God descended on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, and its life comes from the Spirit. The church's life comes from the Spirit. It is not by might, and it is not by power, but by his Spirit, says the Lord. And when we depend upon organizations, we get what organizations can do. And when we depend upon education, we get what educations can do. And when we depend upon man, we get what man can do. But when we depend upon the Holy Spirit and prayer, we get what God can do. A.C. Dixon. Sardis was a church with works, but not much life. It once had a reputation of being alive, but it was dead. This church had gained a reputation in name only, in a very honorable one, flourishing. This was a flourishing church. How can a church have a lot of members in a large church and, and a flourishing church and still be dead? It had a reputation of life. It had a reputation of vitality. Everything seemed to be alive in this church and good. But Jesus said it was spiritually dead. They were living on their reputation. But a good reputation cannot build a church. A good reputation is no guarantee of true spiritual character. There was a form of godliness, but they denied the power. Yet he who sees, the Bible says, 
God does not see as man sees. Man can only see the outward appearance, but God can see the heart. Everything appeared well in this church as to what falls under the observation of man. You look at this church and you go, wow. But God doesn't see as man sees. Man sees the outward, but God sees the heart. The problem here in the Sardis was not heresy. This church did not teach heresy. The problem here in this church was a spiritual problem. It was spiritual death. In spite of his reputation for being active, Sardis was infected with sin. The spirit had no words of commendation for this church at all. They looked so good on the outside, but was so corrupt on the inside. Although Jesus had much to correct in Thyatira, he commended them in verse 19 for their works and their charity and their service and faith and patience. For the churches of Ephesus, Pergamos, and Thyatira, he had gone, he had some words of praise for these churches. But here in Sardis, he simply says right off the bat, you're dead. He has no good thing to say about this church. The church had a good reputation, but spiritually dead. It is said that the reputation is what people see. Your reputation is what people see, is once said by someone. While integrity is what you do while no one sees. It is said that reputation is what people see, while integrity is what you do while no one sees. The church in Sardis died because the people did not let the Holy Spirit control their assembly. And that could happen to any church even today. The Holy Spirit wants to build that church and the Holy Spirit wants to control that church, not man. Her theme song was not standing on the premise, not standing on the promises of God, but sleeping on the premises of God. Her members were dead. They were dead. God help us to have life as Christians. God help us to leave here with a pep in our step and with our heads up and with our shoulders back and a smile on our face and say, yes, I'm a child of the king. I am somebody. This church was dead. There's no... This is the reason why millions of people today are leaving the liberal church, the liberal churches, for good old-fashioned gospel preaching. A lot of liberal churches, even today, are denying the virgin birth, inerrancy of scripture. This church was dying. He said, verse 2 and 3, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. They are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect or complete before God. Remember, therefore, he said, remember, look back. Therefore, how you have received, number one, how you received. Y'all used to be right on, on fire. He said, remember how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come up on you. He's talking about judgment. You come as a thief in judgment to this church. 
He will come unexpectedly. And you'll know, and a thief, he never, a thief never gives notice of his approach. As a thief comes when he is not expected. So Christ said, I will come upon you as a thief if you don't be watchful. What he's telling this church is to wake up. Our Lord's counsel to the church began with be watchful, wake up, you were asleep. He said, renew the things that you once had. Stop and figure out what went wrong and go back. Christ warns the saints, be watchful, be alert, strengthen the few things that you have. Remember the word you have received and heard and hold fast and be ready when I come. I guess he's telling us the same thing today. Watch, be ready, hold fast, hold tight. Hold tight. Where you going, man? What's the rush? To what you got. Remember, he says, he said, I'm going to come as a thief. He said, be ready. Hold fast to what you have. He was warning the people to hold fast to what you have because they was about to lose it all. The little they had left, they was about to lose that. He says, hold fast to that, what you got. Heard, how did, when they heard the gospel, how did he, gave attention to what the apostles spoke, what, what was said, how they embraced the gospel, how they once embraced the gospel with zeal. But it's not too late for this church to repent. I love that even though this church may not have much left in its tank, God can still use it. God can still use this church. So it is not too late. He said, repent. Repentance is not only for the lost sinner. Repentance is not only for the lost sinner, but also, also for the disobedient Christian. If we do not repent and deal with the sin in our lives and in our assemblies, the Lord may judge and remove his lampstand. The church at Sardis was to repent, to change their mind, to turn back to Christ, to wake up. And this could happen to any church. How tragic it is when a local church gradually, and I think it happens gradually, abandons the faith and loses its witness to the world. That's why we need to be careful that we don't just read the Bible for somebody else and not personally practice the ways of Christ ourselves. If he can feed the 5,000 with a few fish and loaves, and if he can take down an army with only 300 men, and if he can use the faith of a mustard seed to move mountain, he can still use this church because he is a big God. You might say, I only got a little bit. He can use that. How sad. You are living on... He said, you are living on your reputation. Just as that city was known mostly for the past greatness, the Christian of Sardis had a, a reputation of spiritual life, but were actually on the verge of spiritual death. Christ is 
advice, review new things you have been taught, repent, obey, and go back. Sardis, the Sardis Christians were to recall the former days of their salvation when they were filled with zeal. The church at Sardis was urged to go back to what they first heard and believed, to go back to the basics in the faith. Go back. I wonder how many people that he's telling today to go back to the basics. We can grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ by reading the word, and we should be growing. But the basics not going to change. The basics of the faith is not going to change. It's important to grow in our knowledge of our Lord and deepen our understanding through careful study of God's word. But no matter how much we learn, we will never abandon the basics. Never. No new truth from God will ever contradict those fundamental biblical teachings, the basics. The church was told to wake up. Their wealth and their comfort had lulled them to sleep. Their self-satisfaction caused them to die spiritually. They were just complacent and just satisfied. Not only had they wandered from the apostles' teaching, but they were no longer growing in faith or evangelism. They lacked compassion. They lacked compassionate service to others and had no unity or love for each other. Are you watchful and alert? I hope you are today. If God has given you a place of a responsibility in the church to lead or to teach, do it with all your might. Use that position to encourage those around you spiritually. And let's be spiritually awake even right now. And be prepared for the Lord's coming. Let's not be like the church of Sardis and just lull ourselves to sleep and just wait for the rapture. No, don't do that. Jesus is coming. The sign is all around us. That is why so many main, mainline denominations, and I've talked to some pastors, uh, they don't believe in the rapture of the church. They don't believe in it. They don't believe in a millennium, a millennium reign where Christ will come and reign on earth for a thousand years. They don't believe that. Many are teaching things that doctrine of men and departing from the faith and the departing has already started. Verse 4, so you have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy a remnant dedicated people often exists in every dying church God is always going to have a remnant the Christian that Sardis had life 
even though it was feeble, the Lord had a few in the church that was faithful to him. The Lord admonished them to strengthen what they remain and not to give up because the church was weak. He said the church might have been weak and feeble. Even though you are feeble, the Lord can always use a few. The Lord admonished them to strengthen what remains and not to give up because the church was weak. But it did have hope. Where there is life, there is hope. What a different dedicated remnant. There was a, there was a different type. The Lord admonished them to strengthen what remains. What was the difference between these dedicated people in that church? They had not defiled their garments. They were faithful to Christ. The remnant in the church at Sardis had not compromised with the pagan society around them. Nor had they grown comfortable and complacent. It was, it was the devoted spiritual remnant that kept the church together. That few, that few faithful that kept the church together. They had not given into the prevailing corruption and pollution of the day around them. And they had not compromised with the world. He said they had not defiled their garments with sin, for they are worthy. We are made worthy only by faith in Christ and his finished work on the cross. They stayed true to the word of God. You had a few, they stayed true. He said, they show, they're going to walk with me in white. To be clothed in white is to be separated for God and made pure. Made pure is our heavenly garment, white. Revelation 7, the white robes of the multitude represents the righteous acts of the saints. We all going to be dressed in white robes. White speaks of the redeemed. It speaks of purity. It's your heavenly garment. Verse 5, he who overcomes shall be clothed with white garments, and I will not. He didn't say I will. He said I will not blot his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before angels. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit say to the churches. The Spirit say, are you, are you listening? Let, with that spiritual ear? Let him hear what the Spirit say to the churches, because this could happen to any church. Verse 5 has bothered a lot of people, seems like, for it seems to suggest that the unfaithful uh, Christians will have their names taken out of the book of life. The book of life contains the book of life contains all those that are born again. That's two views. Some people say everybody's name is written in the book of life when you're born. Everybody's name is in there. And as you reject Christ, your name is removed. I don't take that stand, but some people do. I don't divide over it. My take is that when you're born again, your name is placed there and will never be erased. Ever. I don't think God is in heaven up there with an eraser saying, okay, is that person up there? Look at life, I'm going to erase here, I'm going to erase here. I don't think so. 
The true believer's name is in the, written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You can, you can be on a church roll. You can be on a church roll. You can be a member of a church, and your name still could not be on the book of life, in the book of life. Is there a warning here that a true believer might lose his salvation? I don't think so. Do I believe in eternal security? Yes. Some teach that this verse proves that names can be blotted out the book of life. Some teach that. I don't, but some do. We are enrolled in heaven because we have been born again. And no matter how disobedient a child may be, he or she cannot be unborn. You cannot reverse it. Once you are born again, you are born again forever. You know, Moses said, you know, he returned to the Lord and said, oh, you know, Exodus 32, you, you know the story. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. That's what Moses said. Yet now, if you will not forgive their sins, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. They were worshiping the golden calf, man. But if you don't want to forgive their sins, blot me out. I think he was just, I don't think he really meant that. I think he said that at the spare of the moment without thinking. Because no one wants their name out of the book of life. Nobody. Moses or who? The Lord said, now therefore, Moses, and the Lord told Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will block him out of the book of life. Now you go therefore and tell the people. Moses, Take it easy there, buddy. Relax. I'll blot them out, not you. You go and tell the people. Yes, I believe once you're secure, you are secure. Once you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, you are sealed. Once you are saved, you cannot be unsaved. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I follow them. <clears throat> Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I will give them eternal life. And they shall never, what? Perish. They shall never perish. Never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my Father's hands. He said, I will give them eternal life. Well, how long is eternal life? Is it forever? If you could lose eternal life, it was never eternal from the beginning. Never was. My Father who has given to me is greater than all, and no one is able, he said, to pluck you out of my Father's hand. I am the Father's one. The prodigal son, no matter how disobedient he was, he, he prodigal son, you know, he sinned against heaven and his father and went out in the world and ate with the pigs and but he still was his father's son. 
He never ceased not to be a son. Once you're a son of, once you're a son of God, and once you're a daughter of God, you can never cease not to be a son or daughter of God. You might not do everything right. You might make mistakes and you might sin. But your relationship with Christ has been established throughout eternity. He never ceased to be a son. Although this prodigal son was, he was disobedient, he never ceased to be a son. I hear people say, well, if I can't lose my salvation, I can just go out and live like I want to. Well, then, if you can go out and live like you want to with no conviction, you were never saved in the first place. If you're a Christian, can go out and sin with no conviction. Well, what if I backslide? Well, if you backslide, the Holy Spirit is still going with you. Because once the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, he's not going to leave you. That's why you see so many backslidden Christians are so miserable because they're out there they're trying to fit back in with the world and try to do the things they used to do. And they are absolutely miserable because they know what the word says and they're under deep conviction wherever they go because the Holy Spirit is convicting them. Every time they sin, every time they do something wrong, they know better, but they know what the word says and they are miserable. Well, I hear people say, well, you know, if I, can, if, if I believe uh, I can't lose my salvation, I'll just go out and just do what I want. Well, if you can go out and do what you want, and if there's no conviction, you never were saved. But that's okay. I'm not going to sweat that because Jesus is going to sort it all out. Ain't none of my business who's saved and who's not. I'm going to make sure I am. Now, what you do is your business. Uh, you better make sure you are, too. And, you know, I've been to pastors' conferences where they believe that. You know, you can just lose it one day and get it back the next and lose it the next day and get it back the next. And God will be erasing it one day. He'll put it back the next. I don't, I don't fight and divide over it. I think it's enough division now in the body of Christ as it is. Although I believe I'm right. Well, they believe they're right, too. So I just let it go. Let's let it go. If you're a true believer and you walk away from Christ, I think you will come back eventually. Uh, if he walks away from Christ, I think a true believer will come back eventually. If he ever was saved. Because some people say they are, and some people say uh, some people say they are, and they not. You mentioned born again to some people, some church people. They don't even know what you're talking about. What do you mean, born again? My salvation did not depend on my performance. My salvation does not depend on my performance. It depends on the finished work of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said it was finished. It means paid in full. For by grace I have been saved. Through faith. It's not of myself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So my salvation is not dependent upon my gifts, my talents, or my performance, or even my obedience. It depends upon the finished work of Christ. And I can rest in that. 
My sheep hear my voice. They follow me. Believers are secure in Christ because they are held by Christ. Your name is secure in the book of life if you have been born again. And if you are saved in the depending upon the finished work of Christ, you can rest. Jesus said, whoever confessed me before men, I will confess them before my Father in heaven. You confess him before men, he's going to confess you before his Father in heaven. He said, I will not blot their names out of the book of life. This is not a threat. No, he's not going to blot it. If you're born again, you know, the, the 70 came one out one time and they had great joy and they told the Lord, even the demons are subject to us. Jesus said, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus got you in the palm of his hand and no one can pluck you out and you can even pluck yourself out. Jesus said in John 17, 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those who you gave me, I have kept. And none of them I lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. And that was Judas. And he never was saved. Some people say he was. When you go to a pastor's conference, you hear all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. Some people said, some people said Judas was saved, and Judas one day just upped and just walked away from Christ. I, I don't believe that, but you know, I, I don't, I don't divide over it. You know, if it's not a doctrinal issue, I just let it go because I can't fight all these battles. But on a doctrinal issue, I'll stand up and fight. But, you know, whether Judas was saved or not, you know, you want to believe that? Man, I got to get this gospel out. I don't have time to be fighting all these fires. You know what I mean? I got to get this gospel out any way I can. That's what I'm doing. Do what you will. But I'm not going to fight over something that could cause division. Although I believe I'm right, well, everybody else does too. But I don't think we should divide over it. In that day, Jesus will separate, he's going to separate the wheat from the tares and the sheep from the goats. That's his business. He's going to do that. And the Bible says, the Lord knows who are his. He knows. And if you are born again, if you have received Christ as your personal Savior, you can rest in that. You are secure in him. And he is not going to let you go. I think that's very encouraging for, for me. I don't even think about it. Because I know I'm secure in him. And I know that he's not going to let me go. So rest 
Let's continue to be salt. Let's continue to be light. Let's continue to look for opportunities to share the gospel. Because I'm telling you, I have seen some things this last four weeks that has blown my mind. How really bad it is out there. It's really, really, really bad. And I'm walking down the street and all these homeless people and And I kind of just looking up like, you know, what are these people? Jesus spoke to my heart and said, you know what? This is where you ought to be at, right here. This is where you ought to be. Right down here with these homeless folks, talking to them about Christ. The Lord is going to use you and me in these last days. See, the, the word gospel means the good news. So the world needs to hear what? Some good news. The gospel is the good news. Am I supposed to be silent about the gospel? Satan don't care how much you read, how much you know, how much of Greek or the Hebrew you know, as long as you don't tell nobody else. So I get out of the house every day. I'm on the prowl. Because I got something to offer. Through Jesus Christ. Not me, but through Christ. I have something to offer. I'm not a TV person. I'm not a really a computer person. I'm a people person. I'll walk up to anybody and talk to them. Billy Graham said when he first started preaching, he would preach to a tree. Do the work of an evangelist. That's what we should be doing. Do the work of evangelism. Wherever you go, be light and salt and be ready to give an answer. With that, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your many blessings today. We thank you, Lord, that we can come and hear. Help us, Lord, not to be like this church. Help us to strengthen the things that remain. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.